Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to do at least one more message um, on this uh, on the spiritual warfare. Um, you know, the Lord kind of gave me an idea for uh, next week, so I think it will be a good subject to talk about. But we've, you know, of course, we've been trying through this to get us to, uh, you know, pay attention to spiritual because it's real and the spirit, the how we are spiritually, it's going to affect it affects everything, and it is very important. Something that we need to watch out for. Be careful. Our enemy that we have, it's a spiritual enemy. We can't see Satan. We can't see his demons. They are invisible, and because of that, we get distracted by people sometimes and end up fighting the wrong battles or making a spiritual battle even worse by fighting the wrong people. And so, uh, today though, we're going to look at a very well-known passage of Scripture, but I, def- I definitely think this is something that we need to look at, pay attention to, because um, you know the Bible, it's, it's just very clear that this is so it's a real spiritual battle. There are real spiritual weapons that can really hurt us spiritually. And Bible's told us how we can protect ourselves from that. And so Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to read verse ten. You all, of course, we've heard about the whole armor of God. I think you probably know most of what it is. But I want us to look at a few things about it to just and help us really put it in perspective. I want you to take these things and apply them to your life. Very important because the armor of God, it's not something that you automatically get when you get saved. When you got saved, you didn't just automatically, boom, you've got this full set of spiritual armor that is always going to be there for you because we see here in this passage, it says, put on. It's something that you have to put on yourself. And it's, it's something that you have to put on every day. It's not like salvation where you get saved one time and you're saved for all eternity. It's not like that. It's something that you have to put on every day and for the rest of your life. And it's also necessary too that you use all of the armor because if you don't use all of the armor, where do you think Satan's going to attack you? He's going to attack you in the unprotected area. And he's going to pick the day that you are, or he'll pick the day you're not wearing your armor I mean, you can't let your guard down. You, I mean, we have to do this for the rest of our life. And there are many people, very good, godly, spiritual people, who ended up falling, you know, late in life because you know what? They got careless, and Satan he's patient. He'll wait, but boy, that one time you let your guard down, that's when he's going to get you. So this whole armor of God, Tommy, you need to take Allie out in the lead. You need to come up to the front, okay? And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Notice that. Be strong in the Lord, power of His might. You and I, we're not that strong. We've got to remember that. That will help you spiritually if you keep that in mind that you're not that strong. It says, it says Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we see a command here. To put it all on. And there's too many people today that they just want to pick and choose stuff out of out of the armor of God. They want to pick and choose stuff out of the Bible. They want to pick and choose the Ten Commandments that they like and leave out the ones they don't like. And you know, you can do that. We you can put on just part of the armor of God, 
But then Satan's going to attack you in that exposed area. And when he's throwing those fiery darts at you, he is. He, he's a good aim, and he's going to hit you where you're not protected. And then that other armor really didn't do you any good. And then it goes on, and we're going to we'll go through them kind of one at a time as we go. But notice the first thing it says. Uh, well, verse 12 it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We talked about that the first week. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We want to make sure that we've done all that we can do. That you've done all to stand. That when it comes to our final breath, that we did everything that we could as Christians. We did, we did all that we were supposed to do. You know, We're not going to win every battle that we fight, but we ought to do all that we can in every battle. And so then now we get to the armor of God and it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That first part of that armor, your loins girt about with truth. If you're going to have spiritual victory, you're going to have to stand for truth. You've got to make sure you're on the right side. People these days, they think truth is whatever they believe. Well, this is what I believe. Okay, well, if it's going to help you, it better be true. If it's because otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. I've used this illustration before. I think it's a good illustration. You can think you're the greatest basketball player in the world. You can believe you're the greatest basketball player in the world. But if you're not, if that's not true, then when you play the best basketball player in the world, you're going to get beat. You're going to get defeated. Just you believing something doesn't make it a reality. I don't care how many Disney movies you've watched where you know all they had to do was believe and how many you know sports movies where the team just had to believe. Listen, you've got to be believing in something that's true. And these days, people, many people, they fall because they stood for a lie. They believed in something that was a lie. You think about people that have believed in maybe a politician. This guy, he's going to solve all of our problems. But you know what? He was just a smooth talker. And they stood for him. It didn't help them because there was a lie. It wasn't, it wasn't truth. Believing in faith only make a difference when truth is involved. And that's all there is to it. It has to be true. You can believe whatever you want to believe. You can believe in reincarnation. But, I'm sorry, you're not going to come back as a dog or a cat or whatever. It's not going to happen. You can believe it all you want, but it's not going to change. In fact, you can believe that there is no hell, but whenever it comes time to die, if you've not received Christ as your Savior, that's exactly where you're going. And many people these days, they get defeated in the battle because they're standing, but they're not standing for truth. Their loins aren't girt about with truth. Therefore, it's only a matter of time before they realize that, before they fall, before they get discouraged. We got people these days that you know they'll go and they'll get into churches, they'll get involved in false religions, and they believe in those things and they feel very strongly, and they'll even tell other people, but they're not preaching the truth there. They've not been taught the truth, and it doesn't work. And then they get discouraged and they, they fall and they never want to go to any church. And all churches are all liars, they're all hypocrites. They're all bad. Well, no, that's not true, but you just stood for something that was a lie. And it didn't do you any good. But if you stand for something that's truth, 
you're never going to be you're not going to be disappointed. If you stand for if you raise your children according to the Bible, you know, if you live your life according to the Bible, you can claim the promises of the Bible. And you'll always be okay if you follow the Bible because the Bible is true. And so, you know, trying to fight a battle when you're on the wrong side of things, and listen, not everybody that we've ever fought against in a war, not every soldier, you know, was this horrible, evil person. As far a lot of them probably thought they were fighting for right. Maybe they had accepted some of the propaganda, you know, even some of the Nazis and things that we fought against in World War II. There were probably some of those guys that were nice people, but they believed a lie. They fell for all the propaganda and things that you know that Hitler threw their ways. They they fell for it. They believed a lie, and it it ultimately ruined them. Many people in these other religions that are sitting in these false religions, good people, well-meaning people, but they're believing in a lie. And truth that is the most important thing. And you know, and you know, we all say. That we want truth, but you know what? That's not, it's not true. Many people they, they don't want to hear the truth. That's otherwise they wouldn't get so angry when they hear the Bible. You know, if our politicians really cared about truth, they wouldn't have a problem with the Ten Commandments being posted in courthouses and in the public schools. They wouldn't have a problem with the Bible being there if they really cared about truth. Truth is only offensive. To somebody who enjoys a lie and, and is enjoying their sin and doesn't want to be reminded of it. Some people, they literally want to be ignorant concerning some things and, and we can't do that. Otherwise, you're eventually, you're going to fall. You're eventually going to fail. So loins good about with truth. And then it says also, uh, what's my spot? And then, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, that's it covers your chest, it covers your heart. That's very important uh, place to protect. And righteousness, it will help you out spiritually. So we're in a spiritual battle, but what you do physically, okay, that is gonna that makes a huge difference spiritually. So well, you know, it really doesn't matter, you know, it's what it's what's on the inside that counts. But you know what? There's things that we do on the outside that affect our insides. Okay, for example, maybe the programs and things you watch. That's going to affect you spiritually. Maybe the activities that you do. I mean, if you're sinning, that is going, that's going to affect your life. That's going to affect you spiritually. You're not going to have that, uh, you're not going to be able to have that peace and knowing, hey, in this, I'm righteous. I'm innocent. And, I mean, have you ever been there? Maybe when you were a kid in school, or maybe even at home where, a bunch of people got caught doing something really bad, and you weren't one of them. And just the peace it felt. Maybe when they, you know they're investigating. I mean, imagine how some of these kids feel when they go into these schools and they start searching lockers and things. Now, if you don't have anything, it doesn't bother you at all. You have peace. I mean, there's there's almost a calmness and a relief that hey, I don't have anything to worry about. But if you're not righteous. Boy, I guarantee you, there's something different going on in your mind. Your heart starts racing because you're scared because you've not been righteous. 
you you know you did wrong you know maybe you know you cheated on that test whatever it was if you're you must be doing right to protect your heart the reason many people they don't have a heart for the things of God is because they're not following the commands of God they're going against the commands of God um, you, you know and, and you so you must be doing right but you also must not be sinning to protect your heart you must not be sinning See, there's two kinds of sin. There's the sins of commission. Okay, there's, you know, I go punch somebody, that's a sin. You know, I lose my temper. I, I use profanity. That's a sin. But there's also sins of omission. Things, sometimes we sin by not doing something. For example, you don't go to church. You don't read your Bible. You know, you don't give your tithes and offerings. Things that you don't do, those are sins. The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Have you ever heard your kids say, I didn't do nothing? <laughs> Sometimes that's a sin. <laughs> Sometimes you're supposed to do something. You know, why am I in trouble? Uh, I, I didn't do anything. Exactly. And you were supposed to clean your room. You, know, you were supposed to do your homework. And you didn't. So therefore, you, commit, you, did, a, you did a sin of omission. And that breastplate of righteousness, when, when you're doing right, but there, there's, there's safety in that. The devil, he can't, he gets people with sin all the time. So most people in prison today are in prison because they deserve it. I'm sure there's a few innocent people there. But he gets, he, if he gets you to sin, he can get you in trouble. If he gets you to break the law, he can get you in trouble. If he gets you, you know, just doing things. You know, behind the scenes, he can hurt you spiritually. He can it'll it'll hurt your prayer life. It'll hurt your spiritual life. It'll hurt your effectiveness for Christ. And that breastplate of righteousness that is what protects our heart because we we need a clean heart if we're going to accomplish anything spiritually. If we're going to stay close to God, and you know what, Satan these days he's using sin all the time to just steal people's hearts from God. Just more and more people today, they're leaving, you know, good fundamental churches that preach the truth, and they're going to these liberal, charismatic ones that never preach against anything, that never make anybody feel bad about anything. You know why? Because their heart is towards some sin of the world. Maybe you know, maybe they want to go to a church where they can, you know, drink when they want. And not have to feel bad about it, and they want that sin. And you know what usually happens when they, when the, somebody who knows the truth and they go following after those things, that very sin that got them out of that good church is what ends up ruining their life. Now, they'll become an alcoholic and a drunkard. And that when we that breastplate of righteousness, that's protection. I can't get thrown in prison for murder if I've not killed anybody. You know, I, I'm safe. So I know there's exceptions. Sometimes innocent people, you know, we've all seen the movies where the innocent person got... But it doesn't happen most of the time. I'm not going to get charged for robbery if I don't steal anything. I don't, have, I don't have to worry about that stuff. And we've got to make sure that that righteousness, that we keep that a part of our life. If you think you can just go do whatever sin you want, so you, and maybe you're getting away with it as far as the law is concerned, and as far as nobody else finds out about it, but it is destroying you spiritually. And Satan's going to be able to get at you with that. So the breastplate of righteousness. Then the third one we see is says, have your feet shod with the preparation 
of the gospel of peace. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that talking about? Anybody, anybody want to guess what that's talking about there? Nobody wants to guess? Alright, well, let me give you an idea here. Romans 10.15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. To have your feet shot of preparation, right? Okay, we're in a spiritual battle. If you want to be prepared for the spiritual battle, you need to make sure you've got truth on your side. You want to make sure you're living right. And you need to be prepared to give the gospel. Just because you are saved does not mean God just downloaded you with all the messages of the Bible and you're just ready to share the Gospel and to share the truth of God's Word. It doesn't mean that at all. We don't, you need to study to show yourself approved unto God. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we ought to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh of the hope that is in us. That feet shot of preparation means you're ready to share the Gospel. And the way you put that on, you start studying your Bible, learn the, learn the Romans road, learn the plan of salvation, be ready to tell people. I mean, and not practice it. You know, go, go out on visitation with me and try to give gospel to somebody. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And you know what? Someone might say no. It's like, and then you, know, you, you, you learn things. You know, like, all right, well, let's, let's try this a different way. Hey, you know, I, I like to ask a question. If you, were, if you died tonight and you had stood before God and He asked you, why should I allow you into heaven? What would you say? A lot of times it gets him thinking. You know, and there's different things, but you just try to be prepared. Be ready for the questions. It just comes with, it comes with practice. It doesn't just automatically happen. Nobody just wakes up one day and they're a great, this great soul winner. It takes practice. You've got to study your Bible. You've got to, you've got to learn what the Bible has to say. And the Bible says... Beautiful are the feet of them. I've looked at my feet before. They ain't that pretty. But, but to God, they are when they're going. And they're going around to tell people and to give them the Gospel. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the Gospel of peace. The way you put that on is by getting in the Word studying it. Memorizing those Scriptures. You know what you're doing? You're putting your spiritual shoes on. You're getting yourself ready spiritually. Not wearing your shoes is a sign of being relaxed and unprepared. For example, have you ever you know, have you ever heard the phrase, you know, he died with his boots on? Well, you know, what, is, what does that mean? Well, that means that, you know he died in action. You know, he he went down fighting. You know, he or he was you know he went down working. He was doing you know what he's supposed to do when he died. But that. Not wearing your shoes, that is, that's a symbol of relaxation, isn't it? Like me, for some, uh, my wife gets aggravated because I wear my shoes in the house all the time. But for some reason with me, I don't really like to take my shoes off until I'm done going outside for the day. Uh, or or uh, this afternoon I took them off when I went to take a nap. Okay, I was relaxed. I, wa- I wasn't ready for anything. I was, I was taking a nap. And my shoes were off. And I do, I wear my shoes Pretty much the whole day until 
I know I'm done for the day. I'm not going outside. I don't have anything else to do. Then I kick the shoes off, take the socks off. I'm relaxed. And if something happens, if I had to go out and fight a battle or something, uh, I'm going to have to take a few minutes to get my shoes on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be ready. And But as Christians, we should always be ready to give the gospel. I mean, we are ready to go. I mean, you've got, you know, you have a Bible with you. Have a Bible in your car. Have a Bible in your head. There's going to be some places you can't carry your Bible. Maybe you're at work or, I mean, anywhere. You never know when that opportunity is going to come. And so we're just always ready. We've got it in our head. We've got it in our heart. We know how to communicate it. That is very important spiritually. I mean, when you when you're giving the gospel to somebody, that is always, I mean, that is 100% a spiritual situation going on there. That dog that starts going crazy, I'm telling you, man, there's a demon in that dog. I, I really believe that. That baby that starts screaming, there's a demon in that baby. I believe it. That phone that keeps ringing, I'm telling you, there's a demon possessing somebody somewhere, getting them to dial that phone and call that person so they can ask them a stupid question because. There's something spiritual going on. I mean, you will see that all the time. All the time. That's why it's good, you know, going out two by two. Because you know what? Sometimes that other person, we call them the silent partner, sometimes they can kind of help, you know, distract some of those things. Because I can promise you right now, you know, they'll, you know, you'll go, you'll start witnessing to somebody, and they've got this hyper dog. And you know, and, and the devil knows to use that on me because he knows how I think about dogs, and I just get aggravated. And he he, he knows, and if I'm the one talking, that that dog's going to come to me. Okay, it, it it just is. And you know, and that's where the other person kind of come and take that dog and pay attention to it, and or maybe distract the kids. I've I've been, I've been there before. I've been the one just kind of trying to get rid of distractions. You know, I I'm. I, I, I was out visiting one time with Brother Joe. And I remember he was talking to some of the folks and some of the kids were getting annoying, getting aggravated. I started playing with the kids. Just trying to remove those distractions because the devil was possessing those kids. And he was trying to get them to distract the parents. And that is that, that's spiritual. And you've got to be, always got to be ready to give that gospel. And then we see the next one. And notice what it says about, about this one. Verse 16, it says, Above all, Above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. So I would say, I think based on that, you could say that this is the most important piece when it comes to the armor of God. You're not going to survive any spiritual attack without faith. In fact, you're not going to be able to put on the armor of God without faith. You know, wouldn't it be a little easier if we just had some actual armor we could go put on? You know, if we just had some kind of, you know, sacred undergarments like the Mormons wear that would protect us from spiritual problems, uh, you know, that'd make it a little easier if we could do it that way. But that's not how it is. This is a, it's a spiritual thing. It takes it takes faith. It's faith is absolutely necessary. It takes fi- faith to fight an enemy that you can't see, and it takes faith to put on invisible armor. And it takes faith to follow an invisible leader. We can't see Christ. So, not taking the shield of faith, though, it will leave visible damage to your life. So, you know, and I'm not trying to be judgmental or anything, but you can see what this, the results of this faithless generation on our society. It's all over their face. It's all, I mean, it's very clear in their life what the lack of faith 
will do to people. And it does. You've got to take that shield of faith. The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them. All the fiery darts. All the attacks. That shield of faith will protect you from those. It, it'll do it. If, whenever we fall spiritually, it's going to be some way, shape, or form a lack of faith. We quit trusting in God. Maybe the situation got a little too extreme. That's just too big. You know, I can trust God to do the little things, but that's just too big. God can't do that. You know what you are? You're dropping that shield of faith. And the Bible says the shield of faith will quench all the fire darts. These attacks, they're just too big. It's lack of faith, isn't it? That's a lack of faith. And the Bible says that it will quench all the fiery darts. And you've got to do it. Boy, you've got to get behind that. And sometimes, I mean, that faith sometimes, that's all we have. I mean, there's been many times in my life where you look and it's like, boy, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how the Lord you know, is going to get us through this. I don't know how to fix this situation. But you just have to trust God that He's going to do it. And you and you, and the way you show faith too. A lot of people have this idea that faith is doing nothing. Okay, I mean they have the uh, you know it's like they picture them just kind of getting and hiding behind the shield and just never moving, never doing anything. Okay, faith the way you show faith, there's always action involved. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Okay, it's like, well, I'm going to have faith that God's going to get me through this thing. But so in the meantime, you know, I'm going to quit going to church for a while. I'm going to quit. I knew someone one time. They basically, they flat out said it. They were just going to take a break from serving God, waiting for the Lord to show him his path. It's like, you know, he's just going to have faith, and it's like, wait a minute, no, that's not how it works. Okay, you're when to show faith means you're going to be doing something. You're going to be serving God. Even though right now, maybe you don't know what's going on. You're, you're, gonna, you're just going to be doing more. Faith always involves work. Faith without works is dead. And so, you know, a person who's going to be strong spiritually, they're going to be spiritually active. And that shield of faith, that's not something we use so we can just go hide out and go retreat somewhere and just duck behind that shield and do nothing. No, that shield of faith is something we use to protect us while we're going at the enemy and we're, we're watching what's going on. We're paying attention. We see what's coming our way. And that shield of faith, the Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith. And then the next one we see, um, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, some people that think well, that means you got to be saved. I, I don't believe that's it. I believe the helmet of salvation is basically the assurance of your salvation. You know, there's many people I, I believe that are out there. Some of them in church, some of them out of church, that are doing absolutely nothing for God, whose lives are a spiritual wreck, but they're saved. But they don't have assurance of their salvation. They maybe they went to a church like this one and they got saved at a young age and then they got out of church and they never really learned about the things of God. They never learned how they could know that they have eternal life, like the Bible teaches in First John. They don't know that. 
And they go through life wondering if they're going to heaven. They go through life confused. I, I don't really see how I can be saved. You know, I don't, I don't know if I've been good enough. If you haven't got your salvation down, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have assurance of that, you're not going to be able to survive the battle. You know, I thank God that I know no matter what happens, ultimately I'm going to heaven. I mean, really, when you stop to think about it, you know, what is the worst thing that can happen to a Christian? We could get killed and go to heaven. Well, that's not that bad, is it? And you know, we always have that hope. We have that blessed hope that one day the Lord's going to return. And when you when you know you're saved, it makes all the difference in the world spiritually. I mean, just look at all these people that are out there that are part of these religions where they they don't know they're saved or they don't. They think they can lose their salvation. I mean, think of the, the how could they have peace? You know, the Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding that we have as Christians. If you don't know you're saved, how can you have any peace at all? You can't. And Satan, boy, he will. He likes to get at your head. He likes to attack you in the mind. And if he can get it in your head, you're not really saved. You're gonna have a tough time spiritually. Why, you know, why would God use you? Why is the Holy Spirit gonna help you if you don't even know you're saved? And I've known a lot of people who were in bad shape spiritually, and one of their biggest problems is they just couldn't get that salvation thing nailed down. Constantly making professions over and over again, and they they just can't get it nailed down. Can't seem to figure it out, and they are spiritual wrecks. I mean. Spiritual nutcases, you can call. I know some. I know some weird people. You know, there's some weird people in church. I, I, I didn't want. I'm thinking of it. it was really weird. And he struggled with his salvation, knowing he whether or not he was saved, and was, he was just miserable. He was a miserable wreck. And you know what? He didn't have his salvation nailed down. You've got to get that nailed down. You've got to get that figured out. I mean, get that put on that helmet of salvation. And listen, I don't criticize anybody that has doubts about their salvation. Okay? Satan's going to try to use that against you. He's going to try to get at your head. But you've got to put on that helmet. You might need, you might need to come and see counsel on that. You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to show anybody from the Bible. Hey, alright, let's, Let's get your testimony. Now let's mash up with the Bible. That's what, that's what I always do with anybody. If they're having trouble with their salvation, I will. I always all right, give me your testimony, and then I'm giving their testimony, and then I show them what the Bible says. And if those, I, I tell them if these two things line up, if you're being on, if you are being honest with me right now, I don't. I can't see your heart. I don't know what's going on, but. I, what I'll tell them is that if what you are telling me is true, if you're telling me the truth right now, you're saved. Because look what the Bible says. And all you've got to be able to do is, you know, in that situation, it's like if, if you just know the difference between telling the truth and telling a lie, you can rest assured you're saved. You've got to, got to get that stuff nailed down. Very important. That's that helmet of salvation. And then... We get to our offensive weapons. We mentioned these this morning in Sunday school. But then we... The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. And you know something about a sword? 
it's an offensive weapon, but it's also a defensive weapon too. Okay, somebody's swinging at you with a sword. It's helpful to have that sword to block. And the Bible says, and, um, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Alright, put on. Alright, so how do we put on the sword of the Spirit? Does that mean we have to have a Bible with us everywhere we go? Okay? Well, you know, it's not going to hurt to take the Bible with you as many places as you can. Okay? I mean, that's definitely going to help. But the way you put it on, one, memorize it, get it in your head. But, you know, that's kind of more with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, how do we really. The way we put on the Word of God is by doing what the Word of God says to do. Practicing it. Doing something just because the Bible says to do it. The sword, the sword of the Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God said to do. I'm going to follow these commandments. I'm going I'm to do what God said to do. And that right there, that packs a punch. Take it, putting on the sword of the Spirit. We need to have it with us. We need to have it memorized. And also, too, we just we need to know how to use it. You know, you can have a sword. I've got a sword at home. I, I bought it a place one time. It's got a little bit of a sharp edge. If I was actually going to fight somebody with it to the death, I need to sharpen it a little better. But you know, I've got a sword. But if I was to get in a real sword fight, I don't know how well that would go. I've not had any training in sword fighting. I've never actually had a real sword fight. I've had some lightsaber fights. You know, with my kids and stuff. But I mean, if I got in a real sword fight, I'd be a little nervous because I've not had a lot of practice. I don't, I don't know how to use it real well, and it, it might end ugly for me. And you know what? We need to know how to use this Bible. We need to know how to find places in the Scripture. Like you know, me. You know, I, I, I struggle. Remembering references sometimes, but you know what? You got you got to know how to find it. You got to know where to look for it. You know, and you just, that's why you got to keep reading it. You know, sometimes so sometimes I can't. So I can't remember the reference. A lot of times I can remember roughly. You know, me and Brother Lonnie were just talking about something in the scriptures. Couldn't think of how it was worded exactly, but I knew I had a pretty good idea of where it was in the Bible. And I went and I found it real quick. I was able to show it to him. You know, we've been studying the Kings um, on Wednesday nights. And you know what? By the time this is done, you know, you'll, you're not going to remember the references. You're not going to remember which chapter it was where it talked about Uzziah. But you know what? If you have all those Kings memorized, you can go back and you can look in Second Chronicles and you'll get into, you know, Second Chronicles 19. Uh, and it's, you know, and you'll, you'll look and maybe you'll see... Or, uh, Oh, I'm in First Chronicles. I'm going to try something here. All right, see what happens. All right, so I'm in Second Chronicles 23. Joash. All right, Joash. Okay. Uh, well, Joash. He was before Uzziah. It was Joash. Amaziah. Yeah, Amaziah. Uzziah. All right. So keep going. All right. So now we're in the next chapter. Uh, still, it's okay. Amaziah is in 25. So the next chapter, 26. Uzziah. There he is. You, you can find it a little faster now. You know how to use it. I mean, that kind of thing. That comes. With practice, it comes with not just not reading it, but I mean on purpose. I mean like the kids doing Bible drills in King's Kids. That's going to help them use it. It's going to help them get used to flipping around and finding things. That helps them memorize. You know, having the books of the Bible memorized, things like that. 
those help. Getting good at the Bible trivia. All those things, they make us better with the sword. We need to know how to use it. Know how to rightly divide the Word of Truth. There's people out there that are real good at taking one verse and preaching a whole bunch of garbage that's not even true just using one verse. We need to know how to rightly divide the Word of Truth. How to be able to take and then interpret it with the whole Bible. The whole Bible's got to fit together. We need to know how to, we need to know how to do that. So you need to know how to use it, and then you've got to actually use it. I mean, do it, put it to use. Teaching a Sunday school class is a great that will help you become better with the Bible. You know, going soul winning, all those things they will help you be better soldiers, and that will be protection when Satan comes at you. You can block him with the Scripture, and you can attack him with the Scripture. Uh, Michael, the archangel, I think I think it was. You know, he said, you know, he said the Lord rebuked thee. You know, the Bible talks about uh, when they would use Jesus, he would use Scripture to attack the devil when Satan tempted him. He quoted Scripture: "Man shall not live by bread alone." You know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He used Scripture to defend himself against Satan and to attack Satan at the same time. And we've got to be able to do that. The devil's going to put junk in your mind. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to quote Scripture right there out loud. Quote it in your heart. And that will help you fight the devil off spiritually. I've had all kinds of goofy things come into my mind. Just things that I thought. Things that I felt. And you know what? Help me get past that? A verse in the Bible. And I've told you how I get some time in that freezer at work spiritually. And I've, I've been there many times where you know, I, had, I had to use a Scripture verse. And it did. It, it got me out of the, you know, that bad mood I was in or whatever. So the sword of the Spirit. And then it says, uh, you know, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then praying always. Praying always. Always. The Bible and prayer. Prayer also. Prayer is a defensive weapon. Prayer can be used to protect us uh, from the attacks of the devil. But prayer also can be an offensive weapon. Um, you know, Lord, you know, you know, beg God to send the Holy Spirit to deal with that person's heart that you're trying to witness to. You know, Lord, deliver me from evil. Lord, you know, keep the devil away from me. That praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We've got to use that prayer. And you know, the great thing about prayer too, we can use that to protect you know, those around us. We can use that to protect our other, the other soldiers that are in the fight with us. That's why we need to pray for each other in the church. We need to pray for the lost. But the Bible and prayer, defensive and offensive weapons. And many people these days, unfortunately, where they end up getting themselves in trouble is they never get on the offensive. And the truth is, if you're not on the offensive, eventually you're going to get defeated. You've got to fight back. There's a side with Christians. You know, Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek. That means we're not allowed to fight back on anything. No, you know, you come punch me. You know, I, I don't have to stand there and just get beat up. All right? I'm allowed to defend myself. 
that turning the other cheek, okay, that's just that's basically talking about being able to take an insult, pretty much. If someone comes and smites thee on thy left cheek, does it say? Basically, if somebody comes backhand. You know what that was? That was an insult. That was that was just that was an insult that they did. And when it says turn the other cheek, it's not saying so he can slap the other side of your face. You need to be able to take an insult. Don't fall for that and then go get caught up in some stupid, you know, macho battle or whatever. But if somebody's hurting you, you're allowed to defend yourself. And many people, spiritually, they're always on the defense. There's parents out there that they're so worried about protecting their kids from all the spiritual battles that are out there that they sometimes will literally even pull them out of church. They don't want them involved in the church. They don't want them around youth groups or anything like that because those you know hypocrite teenagers in the church will corrupt their innocent, sweet, wonderful little angels. And it's like they just they kind of go into this defensive mode. And never get involved in anything. Never get involved in the battle. Never get involved in the fight. And you know what? Those people always lose their kids eventually. If you don't go on the offensive, you eventually are going to lose. I've said this before, but I, I could beat up anybody, toughest guy in the world, if he wouldn't fight back. He might be, able, you know, if he if he fought me, he might be able to take care of me in one punch. Alright, but if he doesn't fight back, I might not be able to take care of him in one punch, but eventually, eventually I'm going to get to him. Eventually I'm going to wear him down. Because you've got to go on the offensive, and we do that with the Word of God, we do that with prayer. We take the sword of the Spirit, and that means we put it into practice. We do what the Bible says to do. We fulfill that great commission. We witness to other people. We, uh, we pray. For other people, we have that close relationship with God. These things will protect us spiritually, and we've got to put on the whole armor of God. Leave one off. You leave that helmet of salvation off, the devil he'll defeat you just with those doubts about your salvation. You'll never get anywhere. You leave off that breastplate of righteousness. You're like, I'll do all the other stuff, but you know what? I enjoy certain sins. The devil will use those sins to destroy your life. Whatever it is, he, whatever it is, he will get you in that one area where you're not protected, and that's why we've got to put it all on, and we've got to do it every day, every day. The day that we take it off, that's the day Satan is going to attack us in that area. You know what? You know this breastplate of righteousness thing. You know it'll be okay if this once we bend the rules a little bit. That's when Satan's going to get you. He's watching. He's paying attention. Don't fall for it. Put on the whole armor of God. So let's all stand together tonight.